Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. It actually surprised me how pumped up I got listening to that intro music. Folks, I'm back. It's the Coach Fury Podcast, and I'm going to get right to our first guest because uh, this guest is long overdue. So uh, there was a, a moment where I was going to change the name of this podcast to the Mighty Fury Podcast uh, because I wanted it to be less about fitness. I wanted it to be more about the things that I'm into, uh, less fitness-based. But uh, I don't know. Most of you are trainer friends of mine. Some of you are Godzilla or music friends of mine. And uh, look, if you know me or and you know somebody that owns a gym or is a trainer, fitness has been getting hit particularly hard. We're not the only ones. Restaurant folks, bartender folks, musician, theater friends. Like, I get it. We're all in it. But we have been oddly villainized uh, in this. So throughout this pandemic, uh, you know, uh, going into the Mighty Fury podcast, I, I just realized, you know what, we need a voice maybe. And I don't mean specifically my voice. I mean the voices of my guests. And it still is not going to be all trainers uh, or gym folks. But I, I want to provide a voice to be heard, uh, to share the love I have for this profession, the industry, and what we do on top of G.I. Joe stuff and uh, punk rock music. So that's why we're back to Coach Fury podcast. Uh, and... In aiming big when we were going for the Mighty Fury way, uh, I reached out to somebody that I'm a massive fan of, and that's Doug Carrion, the bassist from legendary bands like Dag Nasty, The Descendants, and now his new project, uh, which has been going on for like a year plus, Field Day. And anybody that knows me, Dag Nasty is one of my top three bands of all time. Second, third tattoo I ever got was their logo. I got a Dag Nasty logo on my hand. And Field Day and their new stuff just brings me right back there. So I have to apologize. Doug, man, you are awesome hopping on this with a stranger and with the fitness industry as it is. This was supposed to come out in June. And here we are, months later, as you listen to my music of my neighbors in the background. Uh, so, Doug, I apologize. But here it is, folks. Welcome back to the Coach Fury podcast with Fury and a podcast that for this interview only was known as a Mighty Fury podcast, but we are back. Uh, I'll catch you up to speed on everything Fury Speakeasy um, and how we weathered all of this. But uh, I'm really excited if you hear about Doug. He's a great guy to chat with. He gets you motivated. And, and that actually brings me sort of like what the future mission of this podcast is going to be. Um, it's going to be about positivity and passion. Uh, it doesn't mean everything's going to be rainbows and roses. But, uh, man, there's enough negativity out there. I'd rather work through some problems than create some more. So with that in mind, finally, Doug, I owe this to you, man. Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is a great guest. Uh, I'm so excited. I'm going to set this up for a minute and maybe embarrass him a little bit. But um, <laughs> never. Literally, uh, and now as uh, approaching 48 years old, my third tattoo in 1991 uh, was a wig out at Danko's Dag Nasty's tattoo on my calf. And uh, <laughs> our guest, Doug Carrion, formerly of Dag Nasty and Descendants, now of the Mighty Field Day, which we'll talk about for sure, is, uh, is the guest. And the reason why, why that is, is uh, Kim and I, my wife Kim and I, we went, we heard Field Day was playing. Uh, I'll talk about some of my Dag Nasty regrets back in the day. I have never seen 
Pete Singh, Pete Gordner Singh for Dag Nasty. And I was like, we're going. And I've never seen Doug, I've never seen you play live before. And your energy up there was amazing, the whole band, but like, dude, you shine. (laughs) And then I heard you on the Toby Morris One Life, One Chance podcast, and I was like, in thinking about bringing this podcast back, the one thing I was like, it has to stay po- Not that we can't talk about bad stuff, but I want it to be positive because so, it's so easy to get negative in the world of social media. And you were just amazing on that show. So folks, listen to like the really long, uh, in a good way, thorough um, episode with Doug on One Life, What Chance with Toby Morse. Toby, if you don't know, is the singer for the band H2O. Awesome band, great show. But I was like, you know, I think there's something for my music friends that I can get from Doug, but also the way he was talking about stuff. I think fitness folks and just creative folks and people trying to make the dream happen um, could really learn from Doug. So Doug, first off, I want to thank you for responding to my Instagram messaging. You're like one of like five people because I got gun shy about reaching out to people that I'm like a fan or impress me. Right. Um, and thanks for being here, man. So uh, let, let the listeners know a little bit about you and then we're going to wow. kick into this. Okay, cool. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. Um, for for the people that are that uh, I'm Doug Carrion. I live in Los Angeles, California. I grew up in Hermosa Beach, California. Uh, I'm involved in the entertainment machine. I've been involved in punk rock. I'm a punk rock dad. Uh, I've been doing that in perpetuity. So my whole entire life, I've been up on stage banging out songs. Um, that's kind of about it on the, on the other side of the equation, uh, um, on the domestic side of the world. Well, I, well, let me back up. So I did play in some bands that were punk bands. So if people are familiar with that world, cool. And I'm going to assume not everybody is familiar with that, which is great. So I played in a band that was in that space called The Descendants. I played in a band in that space called Dag Nasty. Uh, I played in a band called, the Sur- I was a sub for The Circle Jerks. I played in a, a hemp-driven band called The Cottonmouth Kings. Yep. Uh, it, it's, it's out there if you want to Google it, whatever. But aside from that, being in, in the entertainment machine, I'm also a punk rock dad, uh, married for 26 plus years, uh, have two kids, one that's 12, one that's 14. So um, that's kind of it. I'm a, I'm, a lot, I, I'm a lot like anybody else. I just, I play music and that's what I do. And that's how I hustle and, and, and try to do what I do. There it is. Awesome. So one of the things that I like about hearing you, you speak on the other show is, you know, you mentioned sort of like, you know, Hermosa Beach, but you were at like a pivotal moment. Like, it's not just like I grew up and like, and there's a punk rock scene. Like you, this is the thing that fascinates me. And like, sure. it, it, I have this interesting thing now that we're, you know, we're both older and talking about time. Um, Hermosa Beach. For those that might not be aware, <laughs> name some of the bands at the same time of the Descendants that were coming out of that. I mean, it's amazing. Right. So, you know, I would say the most notable one would be Black Flag. The next one in that space might be um, uh, Descendants, Circle Jerks, Pennywise, um, in this would be Red Cross. Uh, in that sphere, uh, I, I'm I'm starting to hit kind of like the bigger ones. Um, just adjacent to Hermosa Beach, in the same uh, in Southern California, uh, I, I'm kind of close to San Pedro. So you also have the Minutemen. Minute so Man. kind of growing up in in that, and then south of us uh, uh, is Orange County, which had a whole nother 
gigantic adolescent social distortion tsol blah, blah 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 well i grew up in this one square mile grid called hermosa beach um which is for the most part a sleepy beach town and yet it also is um it leans itself to the second generation of people that were kind of uh, uh escaping from um uh, corporate world and kind of like the the rejects and the weirdos and the the off the beaten track people so that's what that is there's a lot of like surf culture and um skate culture and music culture was very uh almost an ex the next wave past the hippie culture yeah that's it but yeah what what i mean what a a thing to be a part of and also this is something that's been hitting me with everything that's been going on in the world is is history like we think Mm -hmm. things are like so old already like so much time has passed but at the time like uh what is it like 84 85 you joined descendants yeah right so that's 84 85 folks that means like literally ramones i think started in 74 like punk rock is brand new like right. as in, like as a sort of a thing like what is it? Right. flash and sex pistols are like what like 75 77 yeah um yeah and then that scene just starts creating a movement that is brand new well, it's also like what's what's fascinating about the Hermosa Beach scene is that um, at the time, you're not talking about a lot of punk rock people because yeah. it's already a really narrow bandwidth of people. Um, and then you're also talking about that Hollywood, which is, I don't know, 25 miles away from Hermosa Beach. Hermosa Beach is its own little isolated uh uh, space and so now you you figure like even though the, the Hermosa Beach people were were connected in some way to underground music into the next evolution of what music was going to be for whatever reason you know sure. music evolves it changes things change that's the way it is um, Hermosa had had that was just this fertile ground for things that were super um, pissed off, spastic, fast, aggressive. Uh, the same way, um, if you look at uh, uh, maybe for people that follow fashion, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a in a Swerve funny way. Away. People that follow fashion, where you go, you look at like in the '70s, late '70s. You know, things were very kind of a uh, sepia tone and gray and 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 brown or whatever, earth tones and Birkenstocks or whatever. The next wave of that was very in your face, whether it was aggressive colors or, or it was just a new, a new uh, approach to fashion and a new, with that comes new music and, and, and uh, uh, a changing of the guards, maybe a changing of the guards. And so that crop of people between i don't know 15 and 25 that they had their own ideas and their own ways and 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 it was they were going to overturn things uh from the previous system so it went from you know as awesome as i don't know the eagles are and jackson brown is or whatever great artists and stuff like that there's a whole new version coming down the line that was a lot more relatable to young people um because the it was a changing of the guards that's all just a changing of the guards uh, even at, even at that point too there was a um a, a great disconnect between corporate rock you know big yeah, bands that played sure. stadiums and freaking pissed off backyard party bands so it was just as a whole change and 
I was right in the middle of that, you know, just, uh, you know, just right in the middle of it. There now, you go. Going into the, uh, the, and again, the LA sound and the New York sounds like New York hardcore. So if, totally. if around that time, we're starting to have the misfits and Chrome mags <laughs> and agnostic front, but on the LA front, did you find it very, uh, as a positive scene? Did you find it as, I mean, obviously there's a level of aggression, but like you seem like an extremely, po I don't see scene. You, you are a positive guy totally. from everything that I've seen of you. Totally. But were you at that point in your youth there or was this like almost having to like vent out a hostility and then through the growth process, right? I, I guess the growth process is always what interests, interests me because my nickname's right. Fury. Um, right. I wasn't necessarily, an, well, I guess I was always an angry kid, but um. Right it's through the music and through this growth process that that mellowed out. How were you and how was the scene in terms of positivity or anger well, at that point? Well, well, um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with people in the, like when I started going to punk shows, punk shows were gnarly. They were not safe. They were not cool. It was like, it was super sketchy. In fact, um, just before this call, I was speaking with my friend, Sean, uh, Sean in punk rock folklore, Sean's the guy that did the first Husker Du show in Chicago. So Sean is a punk rock promoter that I work with with Field Day, which we'll get into later. But Sean's done every freaking punk band you could ever imagine. Yeah. And so he and I talk shop. He, we work together with Field Day and we were talking about Chuck Biscuits. And uh, the conversation had come up to what, what was Chuck Biscuits doing now? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, I think he's like up in Vancouver and he's involved in, um, in illustration and soft goods and making t-shirts and things. And I told Sean, I said, you know, I got to see Biscuits play. We were talking about the big boys. And I said, I got to see Biscuits play with the Circle Jerks, which was kind of rare. Um, and I got to see Biscuits play with the Circle Jerks at the Vex, which was in East LA. To my point, there's freaking gunfire in the parking lot. Like those were hard, heavy situations all the time. So um, in answer to your question, was I an angry youth? I, I, I'm going to say I was probably, probably pissed off, but I didn't really know what I was angry about other than just trying to um, push, just trying to find my own path. So yeah. even, even though like I love aggressive music, like I love aggressive music, that doesn't mean, that's not the only hat that I wear. It's, so it's kind of like, you know, you're not a one dimensional person at all. And then as you get older, you go, oh shit, I got like, I, I have, um, the skill set to be able to look at things and analyze things in a different way. Well, when you're 15 years old, um, you know, for the most part, you're, you're just kind of like rowdy and crazy and yeah. you want to go as fast as possible and stuff like that. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't say that growing up at the beach would lean to being more of a safe or uh, posy thing. It was just as crazy and aggressive as any other city. And then, on the larger scale of the punk rock scene, the punk rock scene in Los Angeles um, at first was uh, 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 very super super aggressive, super aggressive, and then and then the gangs got into it, yeah. and then it was really 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 aggressive. So um, yeah, that that's one hat. <laughs> it's sure, funny. that that brings that's one actually, hat. <laughs> that's gonna bring me into like two or three of my biggest non going to shows uh, regrets that I have. So 
where, where I first found Agnasty was actually, you know, clearly the days of the liner notes, right? That was mm -hmm. like a thing where you would get sure. an album, you know, or a cassette and you would read everything and you would look for the bands that they thanked and you would look at the musician and you'd see what other bands. So, you know, Minor Threat, Brian Baker, Discord, Agnasty, that was like, and then when I got Can I Say, like, just blown away. Because you talk sure. about, you know, you mentioned like One Trick Pony, like, I think I was a pretty much a One Trick Pony. I was either like funny or angry. Um, right. And, <laughs> and I was trying to think about, you know, when, when we were com coming into this conversation today, I don't think, I can't think of a, a punk or hardcore band that I listened to other than Dag Nasty and Descendants at the time mm -hmm. that dealt with internal emotions and relationships mm -hmm. as opposed to more of an exterior aggression or heavy metal stuff. I was a big metalhead too. So it was like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, dragons and Satan and all that stuff. Right. Um, where you open the doors, I, you know, I was trying to think about it and I remember like that connection with the, the wig out at Denko's album and can I say happened with what I would probably say was my first like high school, maybe junior high love, high school love, mm -hmm. which was like all in my head, but like at the time. And I think sure. that's a really interesting, positive, long-term change that a couple of the bands you've been in really set a standard. Like folks, there was like no real emo or pop punk. Like I would say Descendants is... I'm sure there were other bands that we're not aware right. of right. on a smaller front, but right. in terms of like a, a, a memorable scale on a level, it was like Descendants and Dagnasty for me. I didn't know of any other hardcore band. Again, New York hardcore, right. Sick of It All, Gorilla Biscuits, Cro-Mags. Like right. it, well, we were not hearing songs about that type of thing. Right. Um, loved it for the other side, but it was a growth process for me. And then the other thing you mentioned is how small these scenes were. You mm. know, I remember, you know, skateboarding in Long Island. I had like ten friends. Right. And there was like a little surge when I mean, we got five more and then some of them kind of quote unquote, you know, grew out of it by like mm -hmm. 10th grade and moved out. And these were small scenes. Oh, and yeah. so my, re my regret is we had this record store, Uncle Phil's in Long Island. And I still can remember seeing Dag Nasty listed on the show board, like on the concert ah! listings in dry erase. And I didn't go because I was afraid to go into the city to go to shows. I either was too afraid oh. of certain venues and shows like CB's kind of freaked me out, which now I'm like, yeah. gosh, I miss so much. Right. But I was also a skater. So I'm like, why am I going to spend all the time to go in the city when I can just skate? And in hindsight, I think it's probably more fear and I was justifying it behind the skateboarding. But yeah, I don't think people realize like things got gnarly, especially towards like the later eighties before everything yeah. kind of blew up. Yeah. Well, um, I, I guess, uh, I, I guess, um, maybe, maybe looking at it like pre Nirvana, post Nirvana. <laughs> you know what's interesting though? There was like, like a, it, it, and Dag Nasty sort of just missed it. There was like a three year bubble window though. Like where if you were in the scene, like you had Fishbone, Chili Peppers were coming up. Like there was like this rise of stuff, mm -hmm. fake no more, whatever. That wasn't like, wasn't super huge yet. Right. But the venues were getting bigger or they were selling out multiple nights. Sure. And Nirvana was just like. Yeah. I mean, once the, you know, everything post Nirvana kind of changed what was going out, what was going, how bad, how people were getting music, the viability of underground music, uh, how it was uh, connecting with fans, whether it was going to get on the radio and all that before that. Uh, it's funny because um, I, I coined this term during the Toby Morris podcast of living in opposite land. And it's really true. Peter and I, uh, Peter and I have been laughing about, about that in that like things were so different, so different back then. But um, I don't know, you know, I, I, go, going back to what you were saying before, uh, for me, I, I, I wasn't, 
I wasn't oblivious to what the potential was as far as like the safe, the, the lack of safety in those situations. I almost want to say in a, in a strange way, like the more over the top things got, the more excited it was. So it was like, it was super exciting. Uh, similar to, um, Maybe like when you're on a roller coaster and you've put yourself in this situation and you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. <laughs> the and difference so, is on the roller coaster, though, you know, there's a safety harness <laughs> at a show. Right. Sometimes you're like, that right. Well, there's not- definitely For, <laughs> in, in punk rock shows, in punk rock shows, there was no safety harness. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really, I, I didn't really like the violence but but i liked the unknown like the excitement of the unknown was let me go backwards let me go backwards so surfing uh is an unquantifiable skill right you can the waves are constantly moving it's not like throwing a ball through a basketball net where the 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 thing's static still so i grew up with the canvas constantly changing and i'm okay with that and punk rock and music at the time and going to shows was a lot like that, where the canvas was changing and you go, it's kind of safe right now. Holy shit, a fight breaks out and you're running for cover. So it's kind of like that in a way. Um, uh, uh, and, then, and then going on the other side back to, to Dagnasty and, and to the Descendants and to the lyric part of it um, or the intention. I think that... Uh, uh, we'll go descendants first Uh, descendants descendants for the most part is such a wonderfully strange phenomena because the band like i cannot tell you a band now i didn't start in the descendants the descendants was the local band that i would get to see so i got to see them before i joined the band but i there was nothing made me happier than to see a band that wrote about things that they identified with, for example, fishing. And so, so for that, you you think like, well, did a band ever write a song about fishing with that much passion and gusto? And so those are the things that like, for me, I take away. uh, I, I, I always admired about the descendants in that they tried to keep things as honest and real and down to earth as possible singing a song about fishing is great and so and then executing it like mr bass like dude like go ahead and play it anybody you try to play mr bass i i dare you to i dare you to play it i dare you to play the drum parts insane love that and then on the um on the on the girl side of things and writing about relationships or uh that was always kind of cool too because everybody was more like you know break everything kill everything yeah 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 it was almost as toby would put it more of a nihilistic approach to things where the early descendants stuff was really was really like this is what's hurting yeah but it's super close i didn't even have that thought about the bands that actually touched upon that until yeah. an hour ago before coming in here to do it. The other one would be obviously, and I know Toby's a big fan of this. Uh, folks, I, I'm, we're dropping his name a lot. I don't know Toby. Yeah, I love Toby. Know. He's the but, greatest. Um, 
hey, Toby, maybe come on the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, seven seconds was another one, sure. right? Sure. Which I know, like, it, Toby talks about New Wind a lot. The New Wind album for me, like, right. that was my favorite Seven Seconds album. So right. I found that there was this venue where I grew up, you know, like, kind of into Iron Maiden. I still am, by the way. It's not like I shed mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I don't mm -hmm. have any, like, but, you know, Iron Maiden and then uh, Black Flag, Misfits, and then through skate videos, uh, you know. Right. Uh, all the uh, SST stuff that used to be on there, you know, Dinosaur right. Jr. is another one that was kind of like wonderfully all over the place lyrically. Right. Um, right. And, and, but I, I think it also allows, if you find yourself as a one trick pony, it allows you to be like, oh man, cool people that we can deem cool ourselves internally. Like right. I can relate to that. So that's okay. Like maybe that side of my personality, I was trying to hold back. It's okay right. to be this. It might make me feel even weirder in the weird because that's another thing with punk rock and hardcore, right? Like, you know, there is like, a, you know, I don't know if it's like this in LA at the time, but like, you know, in New York, it's like, hey, a black t-shirt, cargo, camo, cargo shorts. Like, I just look like everybody else at the hardcore show. Right. But it's allowed to be weird within the weird because sometimes people really do feel that. And you don't want right. to try to fit in where the thing is not about fitting in. Right. That's a hard thing to do these days too. Well, well, um, in the in the in the breaking down like the Hermosa Beach Los Angeles timeline, when I first started going to shows, and and we're gonna say like like maybe nineteen eighty, like way back, way back, yeah, about nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty. Um, not only was it you were you were really uh, kind of. I don't know about rewarded, but you were expected to be an individual and whatever your trip was, was great. And then on the other side, the bands were also very, very different. So you could go to a show and you could see, here's an example. The first time I saw Bad Religion, Bad Religion played with the Rockabilly band. So it's like things were not as uniform back then it was very you know there was no punk rock you know, punk rock commerce like you made your own clothes you modified that's which is kind of like it's yeah. it's kind of like we'll take the skating culture where you're talking about skateboarding like you know that in the skate culture uh there was a time where people kind of made their own boards and they were just doing their own thing and then eventually it ran into like mass manufacturing because there was like oh wow this isn't the yo-yo it's like you know, there's kids in thing. everywhere in, in the world, you know, everywhere in the world that may want to ride a skateboard or learn how to ride a skateboard. And, and it changed um, uh, how, that approach. Uh, I'll, I'll tie it now back to the surfing culture. In the surfing culture, there, yes, there was um, mass manufacturing of boards, no problem. But there's also an underground scene of... Um, surfers that only surfed on their own equipment and there was this ideology of you're only a real i'm gonna air quote for a second and say <laughs> soul surfing which was more about men you're only as you're good if you're writing your own boards and designing your own stuff so that's very punk rock that's that's like you know um an example would be, ah, I'll tie it to myself. An example would be like, I really thought the coolest thing about music was for me, was playing inexpensive instruments. 
and trying to make that work. Uh, that is along the same line as making your own skateboards or making your own surfboards. Sure. It's like modifying, uh, uh, modifying things on your own and, and creating your own path. And so I think that the fan base uh, in the early punk days was not like, a generic look it was everybody was really quite <laughs> quite their own uh beasts you know and and you can look at like if you look at you know for people again i don't know how in the in for your show i don't know how music centric people are maybe they don't they're like what is this guy talking about you know what's he talking about with the music thing but it's like you know if you go back on the music stuff and you look at let's say like um uh, uh, decline of the Western civilization, the punk version, and you look at the people that they interview, everyone that they interview and the bands, they're all very, very their own style, their own thread. It's like fashion in a way yeah. where it's like, you know, or, or illustrations. When you see somebody that does illustrations and you can identify, you go, oh, that's so-and-so. And I think that people's personalities were reflected in this music and in the way they dressed as as being uh priding themselves on being individuals more so think, than now <laughs> more so than now so sorry to cut. yeah i was gonna say do you think that that came was that was that like an internal spirit to like actually like i think one of the greatest lessons of punk rock and and through skateboarding and, and i would imagine with surfing too is is, is to embrace that about yourself because, you know, especially like, you know, most of us get into this stuff like junior high, high school, right? right. And that, that's like the hardest time to adapt. You, sure. you mentioned your kids are 12 and 14. My, my son's 10 and my daughter right. is 13. Right. So, you know, they're in those ages where suddenly it's like, it's not just every kid's not on like the goofy kid playing field. It's like right. people are starting to define their interests and who they are. And sure, not only just who they want to be, but who do they want to, re, you know, be with. Their, and I don't mean their tribe. Like yeah, they're trying to find their crew, right? Their squad. And, and sure. I think punk rock more than anything found that in a non-competitive way. And I think that's what really stuck to me because I've never been on a team before, you know, an official, I've never played a sport. I always hated sports. Um, it's funny. We had this field next to my folks house. Like if you walk around the block, we used to cut through and it used to be like a lot of dirt because kids used to walk. And I guess there's not as many kids these days. But I was like, Oh yeah. Hey, Penny, yeah. There used to be a dirt path where the kids would ride their bikes to go, you know, to the store and cut through here. And we used to play football here. Like the five times that I played football and you could tell right. he was like, he had no interest. <laughs> but do you I think like that was, do you think it's that that independent spirit is what created the scene and then the scene supported it? Or do you think like, uh, I guess that's a, a hard chicken or the egg kind of question, right? But like, well, again, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, going back on the, uh, on the, on the timeline for, I think people were really um, antisocial. And so, uh, they gravitated toward punk rock because it was th they weren't uh, asked to live inside a certain set of boundaries, um, and and it's not a surprise that the beginning stages of punk rock found people that were more um, artisan types. Okay, uh, and 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 that's okay, and then it expanded from there, but when you look at where and and let's say where ziggy stardust left off and you go okay david bowie and he's constantly changing and he's doing what he does that is somebody that's kind of an individual character and then you look at let's say somebody that's um 
Shepherd Fairy, where it's somebody that's a total individual doing his own thing, climbing buildings and creating art all on his own. He's not part of the crew. He's kind of on his own. He's his own yeah. freaking crew. Okay. Artists falling into the line of punk rock were like that. They're like, I'm not trying to be like what you are doing. Here's what I have to offer into the space. Surfing and skateboarding is very similar. You could watch people skateboarding right now. And even though you might skate with a few people, everybody has their own approach. Everybody has their own style. Everybody has their own flavor and flair. It's not a surprise that people, uh, because that's not really a team sport per se, it doesn't surprise me that that the core values that would make you a skater run parallel with the core values of what would make you a punker. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Only. You know, the, the thing that skating, and it, it's funny, I, I feel like fitness is sort of that way too. Um, pretty much anything is, is it allows you to appreciate your, and, and express your strengths, right? Parts of mm -hmm. whatever type of skater or surfer I would imagine you are, like you're going to be pick up certain things quicker. Mm -hmm. But it also, and, and music this way too, uh, as myself, I'm like a horrible, I tried to play bass and it sucked. And that, I, I apologize for any time that I was probably in the background trying to play one of your lines. That's um, great. But it also allowed you that persistence to practice in a way mm -hmm. that, you know, like, uh, you know, team sports has that. But in terms of like being in like already a subculture that was a much smaller set like it's hard folks if even if you're in your 30s now i think it's hard for people to realize say between 1974 ramones to mm -hmm. 19 even 88 mm -hmm. like i'd say that was a pretty pivotal thing and and you know i mentioned earlier huge. about like the compression of time huge so i started getting into punk rock i don't know exactly it must have been actually 83 85 and i was young okay. you know right. um because I, I got can i say when it came out um, and that's still like, even for me as a kid thinking this is a thing that's been around forever was still only around maybe 10 years. Sure. And, and now as now that we're later, like folks, you can't imagine like how small those scenes were or how new things were. And there was no internet to like, you know, find out about bands. Really. There were some band zines, which I was never really getting much of, or I know uh, thrasher magazine and skate mags were like a big thing for me to find mm -hmm. out about bands. Um, and skate videos and that was yeah. really it MTV wasn't playing shit occasionally you know eventually 120 minutes and I'd say in Long Island we had DRE right um, which did a really good job of getting like new wave and some some, some right stuff right out right there. but uh, it was just a totally different time you didn't you couldn't go to the mall and and go to a hot topic you know it's funny my daughter loves hot topic um, I'm like you had to like go to the one head shop in Hicksville Long Island utopia and go to the basement and hope your parents right. didn't find out what that place really was Right, right, right. We had, to, we had to go and hop a train or hop in a car with a friend and go to the city and go to the village, hit up right. St. Mark Street, trash and vaudeville and that stuff. Um, to, to, to be able to express that stuff, but it, it allowed us to like, okay, so, you know, I think you find a band or two and then you do the deep dive, right? Like who else is like adjacent to this band or mm -hmm. label? And, and then it's like, all right, this is definitely a me thing, right? This is the thing that I relate to. And then here are the sub things. And that sort of expands your boundaries. So it does allow you to start having like, an open-minded sense of like, oh, there's more out here than what this is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like a lost art sometimes now because there's so much you can be exposed to. You can go on Spotify right now and the algorithm is going to show you like, you know, 20 similar bands, but I don't know if anybody's going to invest in the deep dive 
right in 10 of those bands yeah i well i think i think that um you know uh, for the for the most part people are going to put energy into things that they're really interested in and if music is just kind of background noise to them they're not really going to put too much into it and you can understand that and they're going to focus their energy into some other thing i don't know i um, could never understand that <laughs> what's that I, I always struggle when people are like i'm not really into music i'm like right but they exist people do totally like, do. people do exist like it's the same thing it's the same thing as um see you're see now now maybe we could take the opportunity to look at as you get older being able to look at things through different lenses for sure punk rock allowed you to look at things even at 15 16 17 13 14 15 16 17 to be able to look at things through different lenses because you were able to see oh my god there's a skate scene or a punk scene from reno or from new york or from boston or from dc and what are what are they bringing to the table? So it's that same thing, but now you realize that there are these fully independent-minded people that are then, wow, there's like across the country, across the globe, uh, there are these fully independent people. And, and I think that that starts the idea that then 10 years later, 20 years later, you have the ability to analyze things from a different perspective. Not you even you get to a spot where you can um, you you can acquiesce your opinion because you don't really want to engage in argument, or you're like, "That's your world. That's for what sure. you believe. That's what you believe." Um, I know for me, I have this almost um, annoying freakish drive to music and to working on music so when i'm talking about something i'm hyperventilating <laughs> maybe some people are like that when they talk about skateboarding with <laughs> not everybody's like that some people they that that's that's as foreign to them as if if, if I, I i don't this isn't to slam on people that collect stamps but let's say somebody that's a <laughs> stamp collector now even for me I love the fact and really, really love the fact that that's what they're into. I we freaking love that. My, 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 my father-in-law passed away uh, about a year and a half ago, almost two, yeah, about a year and a half ago. And he left, he had a coin collection. And we were like, we're gonna have to see like the selling coins, right? So we, we found this small, wonderful mom and pop coin shop in Queens, yeah. Story of Queens, and we spent because we had a box of them, we didn't know anything about it. And they went through them like one by one and the locals were coming in, uh, you know, for however many decades were coming in and, and dealing with this. And it's their own thing, right? That's the punk rock for them. Like that's yeah. their passion that drives them. And I was Love like, it. you know, so there's all those scenes. And I think one of the great things about punk rock is being accepting that like, hey man, if you're down with that, I think it was Henry Rollins once in the 90s, I read him say, he, he said something like, look, if, if, if you just want to stay at home and read books because you love books, stay at home and read books. You know, like, and, but we, like, like the public thing would, it would be like, you know, you need to go out and socialize. Like, but if that is your best thing, like, go for it if that's your thing. Uh, it, it, it's, 
I think one of the lessons, is, if we want to turn this into like a personal development side of sure. this conversation is, punk rock is that expression of freedom and to be different, that it's okay. It's okay not to fit in. It's okay to be awkward. And I still struggle with that because there's points where, sure. you know, uh, I'm like, I don't know what to say here. Like I can be good leading in front of, room, uh, front of a group of it at, a, at a certification or a class, but then I can be at a party with like 10 people and I'm like, can I go crawl into a corner right now? Like I'm right. ready to go. But I'm also like, it's okay not to relate sometimes, you know, like that's the thing Like right now, everybody like wants to find a, a level to agree with each other or fight with each other. And I'm totally cool to be like, you guys go do your thing. I'm just going to accept that this isn't my thing. And I'm going to go over here, you know, like right. whatever the conversation might be. Right. Um, and yeah, it's that I empowerment. And then to make the decisions for yourself and then to start, your bands or your businesses on your own. Like that's the other thing from punk rock. No one was really doing like uh, what Greg was doing with uh, Greg. I'm sort of throwing it out his name. Sure, like I know sure, sure, sure. Greg Ian sure. was doing with SST sure. or, you know, Ian with um, discord. With, sure. This gym would not exist if I hadn't been in a punk rock in those days. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like a, that, you know, maybe not to, over glamorize it but maybe punk rock was like a renaissance period in that it allowed people to um find their own lanes i'm fascinated with the next wave of of young people like punk rock parents and how they teach their kids and and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable um uh, uh, what are, uh, do they carry over those core values that they learned in punk rock? W whatever that is, being an independent, being a good person, uh, uh, being able to look at a situation from different lenses, whatever that is, how that carries over to, um, to parenting is fascinating to me because I meet kids now, young people that are just awesome freaking awesome it yeah. gives me hope you go yes maybe there maybe there is hope there's hope it's a cool spot like my parents and i we get along great my dad and i we had like a pretty like rough relationship growing sure. up sorry dad you know i love you now um we had sure. to like grow into each other that way but like you know I, I picked up my daughter like in brooklyn now with shutdown you know we're still on mm -hmm. on, on on lockdown we just entered phase one now times are coronavirus everybody if you're listening yeah. to this later Ugh. game and one of the places people go to walk around is the local cemetery. We have this historic Greenwood cemetery, cemetery where the Battle of Brooklyn happened. Like, it's beautiful. It's huge. It's beautiful. And I picked up my daughter who was just going, like, you know, walking around with her friends. And she's got, like, you know, like a stud necklace on and a barbed wire thing and a black, you know, uh, sleeveless thing. She's got eye makeup on. And then she has her mask and she pulls her mask off. And she's got black lipstick. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have like this like punk rock gothy kid right now. And she, right. she, 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 it sometimes bothers her how much I enjoy that she's right. following that side. Sure. But she's like, you know, I think most parents would probably be upset or embarrassed that I have it. So I'm like, you will never have that issue with me. And I've already told my kids, like, you will never have to have an awkward conversation if you wanted to come out. Like, if you happen to be gay, like, that's never going to be a thing with me. Just be a good person and don't get in other yeah. good people's way. Um, and that, I think, is a thing that I wish I could have grown up with. Like, I was like, why are you wearing your hat backwards? Like, remember when that was like, a, like you were, you were a, a ruffian if you were, a, right. you know, <laughs> if you wore your right. hat backwards back in the right. day. As silly right. as that sounds now. My right. dad would be like, you're going to get arrested. 
for wearing my hat backwards? Right. <laughs> like, I don't Interesting. Think so. Well, you know, that's also like, uh, you know, the, if you look at um, on the timeline, right, on the timeline, you know, maybe your dad's generation was uh, coming out of World War II. Vietnam. Vietnam. So, so, you're, so you're talking about um, having to make decisions, you're with us or you're with them. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And so parents sometimes, hopefully they're doing the best they can. And sometimes they don't have all the information or they haven't evolved enough intellectually to be able to look at things in a different way. That, that's all that they have. And so your upbringing came from, is an extension of that's sure. what the social values were at the time. You don't step out of line. You don't wear your hat backwards. That sort of now, class, that classic American model was fully in place and it, yes. nobody had set the standard yet to blow that up. Right. Um, right. At the time. So it wasn't even if they even believed in it or not. Right. It was like, this is, this is how it's supposed to go. This is the track to right. get so you can go and basically buy the house like one town over right when at one point when i'm like i don't want any of that yeah and and so then the extension of that would be then the next generation of kids that are trying to raise their kids based on a new set of social values core values whatever this a lot more acceptance and then let's see not like you know your kids are are teeny boppers still you know they're young kids but then when they are start raising kids how that generation's gonna be you know it's really it, it it's it, i do believe that um we have the ability to evolve intellectually to the positive but it takes a lot of pushing sometimes and it's and you know and it's like there's believe me i know there's a lot of wankers out there but i do believe that there's a lot of good people and that their intentions are in a good place and they just want to um get up and raise a family and and go to work and try to get a good education and make sure everybody's health like super common common denominators sure. and that goes around that's like globally like you have a lot of things in common um and i think that, that you know we're gonna get um you know the discussion at my house has been uh, uh, uh about whether or not it is appropriate to take down the statues from the civil war in the states and by the way I do want you to circle back on the Battle of Brooklyn because I was like, what are you talking about? Battle of Brooklyn? Holy shit. <laughs> so so, <laughs> um, so note, note to self. Like you give I'm going to have crap. to Google up the details because I okay, read this okay. the sign the other day. I do, I, I do love history. I love American history too. So it's like, oh, I love it. Um, but so the, let's say, you know, taking down these statues. Okay. Now, Everybody's going to have their own opinion on whether that's the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do, so forth. Um, I was thinking about this last night, and, and it's like, I can really appreciate how Germany embraced its not-so-great behavior and made itself better. That's badass. Yeah. I am fascinated with people in the American culture 
that don't want to embrace the wrongs and say, hey, we fucked up. And try to find a way to learn from that. And it's almost like, you know, when you put on your parenting hat and you, you're like, oh, shit, here's a teachable moment. Let's do it. Let's do this. And, and I, somewhere in there, it's like there is such a fantastic learning moment right now that's happening that I don't know what's led all the way up to this. It's like I could see it. I, I, I could pro not, not to nerd out in politics, but I can no, it, even connect the dots. It's and you pretty, go, there. wow, there is a way where, you know, we can actually make things better. And I, 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 I'm a believer in that democracy is a verb. And it's constantly changing and evolving and it keeps going and go, 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 go. And, and, and it, that's how it's supposed to work. Yep. So I don't really have a gigantic problem with, uh, you know, when there's the, the, the people that are saying, oh, that's part of our history. That's part of our heritage and all that. I can even put on my hat and say, put on that hat and say, yeah, I can understand that where you're coming from. But do you think that that history was good or bad? You know, then you start parsing it down. You go, is that good or bad? And then are you able to accept that maybe that has to be recognized in a way that could then be turned into a positive? So I'm always looking at problems and analyzing them and wondering how do I flip it to the positive? What's the learning part of this? How, like, okay, it's pretty shitty. How are we going to get some kind of nugget out of this so I don't do it again? Right. That goes to the punk rock thing too of like, let, let's make the positive, right? Like again, like let's Precisely. be the light and shine. So it's, it's a weird thing because with the statues, it's funny. Like um, I teach in Asia. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, I'm not going to lie. It's bumming me out about the lack of travel. I, I can only imagine mm -hmm. um, as I actually got, just remembered, I got ripped off trying to buy uh, Facebook market tickets for your show when you were supposed to play with H2O in April. I was supposed to teach a course and that course got canceled because of Corona. I'm like, I'm going to get tickets for the show. And then everything got canceled. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've taught in Japan for the last five years in a row. And you go to Japan and you see these buildings that might have been put up in the 60s and the 80s. But in the middle of the block is literally the temple from the 47 Ronin, right? So there's this like thing that's hundreds of years old. Right. You know, like, and we're so new. Again, it's almost like that punk rock timeline of compressed time. Right. The United States are so new. And I think in, in, in light of everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter, um, the speakeasy and where I live is about a mile from Barclays Stadium. So if you saw any of the footage of like the cop cars pushing into barricades with people behind them, like that's near here. So for days, it was nonstop helicopters. Right. And so we've been doing a lot of research about you know, how are we in history? And some, some, some woman from, uh, it was an Asian woman from Australia, uh, a, you know, a place that I had taught in Perth, was writing about the statues and what it being history. And, you know, I'm half Jewish. I'm not a very religious person, mm -hmm. but I would not want to live in a town that had a statue of Hitler to remind me every day of no what the majority of the people or the, or the power structure, I shouldn't, I don't want to say if it was the majority or not, but the power structure where they thought I belonged. I think that's like a really missing thing that like people can still Whoa. have history and read a book or watch a documentary because Whoa. the other weird thing when we, so, so one of the things like me and my whole team are doing, we're, we're doing a lot of research into like white fragility and stuff. And sure. 
you know, I'm learning things about, you know, even who put up those statues sometimes were like not great people and they were meant to not serve great purposes. They weren't there for historical like relevance. They were there as reminders to keep people in their place. And totally. we have to be open to that, that like literally if I think as a Jewish person, like what if it was a Hitler statue? People sure. would be pretty quick to be like, hey, you can't have a Hitler statue, right? Like right. nobody's gonna argue that, like <laughs> take down that Hitler statue, right? Or that Jeffrey Dahmer statue. But well. it's, it's a weird thing because it is a part of our history, but it's not a bright spot. And I'm not saying that folks have to like think like all of like, I mean, I think you have to reassess like where we are as uh, white Americans, what that really means. Because the other side of history, I just found out yesterday about this Tulsa massacre. Have you ever heard of this? literally there was like a bombing and a raid and a mass murder in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, what year? I have to look this up. Is it, quick. is it like, it, it, tell me just generalize. Is it like in the uh, 1800s, 1700s, 1900s? Uh, Tulsa, hold on a second. I got to Cause this shocked me cause I had never heard of this. And of course. 19, let's see pulling this up. Sorry, folks, we got important things to do here. 1921, um, May 31st to June 1st, uh, and they literally just started pulling people out and arresting people and murdering people. Uh, basically, like, if you look it up, folks, it's crazy. And I'm going to say this, like, not to make this, again, super political, but guess who just announced where he's holding yes. his first, oh, no. you know, first campaign. And, and and I'm sorry to cut you off. And he's doing it. On, and the date is gnarly too. So you go, dude, as much as you and I can be intellectually aligned, there's a lot of people that they're, they're the, 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 the language that they speak and the frequency that they're on is very, very different. <laughs> it's very different. Yeah. It wow. says here, it says here, uh, the Tulsa race massacre also known as the Tulsa Race Riot, occurred over 18 hours on May 31st to June 21st in 1921. A white mob attacked residents, home businesses in the predominantly black Greenwood neighborhood of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Sure. One of the worst incidents of racial violence in the, United, in the U.S. history and one of the least known. Now, folks, like, there's a lot of stuff in history that's like that. So when we're talking sure. about defending history, like maybe we should start actually like opening eyes on some of that worst stuff, too. And also, like, we're like three, four generations from the birth of this country. Right. Like, you know, Greenwood Cemetery, like you can see stones from like late 1700s sure. and 1800s. Sure. Folks, like yeah. 1776, yeah, like we're yeah, that's, there. That's, a, um, that's also kind of fascinating because I, in my travels, I get to go, um, my wife was born in Rome. So I get to go to, I've been going back to Rome for years and years and years. And there's something about, the architecture and buildings that give me a great deal of comfort when I'm in Rome because I can stand in front of a building and say, holy smokes, this building's been here a thousand years or whatever it is. And I know that I can come back when I'm 20, 40, 60, 80. It's still going to be here. My kids are going to come back when they're 20, 40, 60, 80. It's still going to be here. That's something that's really... Uh, Kind of, kind of gives me um, a great deal of peace knowing that there's something well rooted and respected. And then, when you look at American culture, and American culture has a tendency to always be scratching things and building on top, scratching things and building on top. And 
I think that when you do that, you end up disconnecting yourself from the past. And sometimes that isn't so great because you're, you're losing the opportunity to learn where you came from. And that, I, th I think that, um, I, I think that that's a really, we're in such a strange time right now with more people that have open ideologies of trying to make the United States a better place for everyone. And then you have a lot of people that are still gripping on to this old idea and these old ideals, which already don't work, didn't work. Um, and I think that's, that's something that like, I, I don't really, um, I wish I had a better explanation or, or a suggestion on how to solve that. But, you know, when, when you, when you look at um, history books and sometimes the history books are written and slanted in a certain way, you're not even identifying with the right piece of information from your history. So it's like, of course, of course. It's kind of like uh, it, it's kind of like when something starts to go further and further off track. The further away from the truth you are, the further off track you're going to be. A hundred years upstream, holy yeah. shit, you're going to be way off. The closer you are, the more likely you are to be uh, in the ballpark of yeah. of the truth. And man, we've got some some serious. Uh, uh, some serious challenges in that, like how, how people, I, I, I guess I'm going to, something that I was, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask a question to you, please, which is something I was thinking about. Um, can you tell me right now, any culture, uh, a, 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 any, any um, race of people that have been enslaved that are outside the Palestinians but I don't know if the Palestinians were enslaved. So can you tell me any culture on the, in, in the world right now that were enslaved, but are now living in a culture that they used to be enslaved? Like my son's pretty hardcore in like, like uh, ancient history. So he'd know like back at the Pharaohs, blah, 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 yeah. blah, he'd know that. But like right now, like in our times, do yeah. I have a blind spot? Is there, there, there must, and I'm thinking I have the blinds. Like there, in my head, I want to think there must be, but okay. I'm not aware. I, I would say the closest thing it, it would be, you know, the segregation and apartheid in South Africa was probably one of the bigger change, but it wasn't necessarily. Uh, although I wasn't, you know, young when that well, was going on. Were were the South Africans enslaved, or were they just economically en enslaved? I think it was probably more economically. Right. So I'm talking about straight up like, like chains and shit. Like yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know. Well, you know, I'm we not, should and, know though, right? Isn't that, that's kind right. of, I guess, part and, of the problem. And, and, and that's, and what I'm saying is if you were brought to a, a place in chains and a hundred years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years, whatever it is, is still propping up this same not identifying correctly with the past and trying to improve things that's mind-blowing 
That's like, how, how are we in that? How are we there? Like, how, how's that possible? Now, maybe I, it, maybe I grew up in a bubble because I grew up in Southern California that was a little bit more progressive and I grew up in a progressive household. So I'm, I'm really, you know, for you, you, you kind of made the leap because your dad was, don't do the hat backwards, where my mom was already very, very progressive. So I'm an extension of that. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, I didn't have that type of like background. Right. I'm fortunate that through skateboarding and through, again, right. uh, it's, you through learned music, it. Hip hop and breakdancing also, I'm that generation. Right. So that automatically exposed me to culture because we had like three black families in my town within three towns probably at the right. time. Right. Um, and that really was like a massive impact. So things like Run DMC and, our, you know, I remember seeing Do the Right Thing in the theater. And right. Public Enemy, obviously, was, well, I should say obviously, if, if you don't know me, but uh, Public Enemy had just, Ice-T had such a massive impact on me uh, to open my mind out of that. But again, I, I think it's just easy to be far behind this curve because so much of it was there before us. I, I, so we do this thing in sessions. Here's, a, here's an example. We do this thing in sessions. Before every session, we do a name game. So like uh, my name, uh, I want to know your name and I want to know if you could go back in history, what time would you want to go to? And one of, the, one of my members is, is a person of color. And she's like, you know, when you, she was totally cool about this. She was like, you know, when you ask that question to a person of color, if they go past 1968, they imagine themselves white because nobody had a better, nobody was in right. a good position. Like there right. was not. And right. that, talk about white bias, right? Racial bias. I was like, right. I would have never thought that. Like I was thinking right. like, you'll just say like, oh, like, I don't know, 1920s would be stellar. No. no, you know? no and it's no. like, but, but, like <laughs> no. but it's those types of things that are easy to not realize, right? So what I'm right. hoping happens with all of this, is like, it's gonna be ugly for a while. It's not gonna settle out quick. It's not gonna settle out just at the next election. But like, people realize that like, you know, uh, I also try to do this too. Like, you know, if you're a good parent, you know, and you raise good kids, yep. that's that's yep. the enough. And it's kind of not. Cause that's like, you know, like putting like a rock, you know, if you have a voice, share it. I'm not saying it has to be like a part of everything you do. But like when you have a voice and you share it, it's like putting a pebble against a problem or starting to lay bricks against the problem. Because my kids are only gonna have enough reach, you know what I mean? But like through our bases, our, 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 our communities, right? Like you have a power to do more. And I think that's what's happening right now, right? Like there's a massive thing happening Huge. that I've never, you know, and again, as a New Yorker, like, you know, 9-11, all that stuff. Like I've never seen this. I've never felt right. this. I've never felt the level of anger, the level of uh, sadness, right. the level of potential guilt, like that, what, what, and I consider myself a decent but flawed human being. Right. Um, but like, here's the lens for us to sort of sort our shit out through right now, right? Um, and I think something good's gonna come out of that. And I think, you know, when you talk about kids, like what I'm hoping is, I wanna hear some really good fucking music that really helps unite stuff. Like we're ready for that. We're ready for right. like, you know, some new right. band to come up and just hit something. Um, you know, I'd say like, uh, forgetting his last name, Uriah from uh, Rough Francis has been putting some stuff on his Instagram. That's sick. Panthers in the Night, I think is one of the things he just put out. Um, but I want to see this, like, what's this new movement going to bring? What's the art going to bring? You know, right. like, what is that going to happen? Because 
I would imagine Vietnam is the closest we've had what it would have been like to be battling that right sure. now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't know. I mean, circling back to the parenting thing, um, my wife and I are fortunate in that both of our kids are, 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 are um, good kids and, and academics comes pretty easy, easy to them. Um, my older one is uh, knock on wood. And, and also at the same time, I can, I don't say that as a braggadocious thing because that's really shitty <laughs> uh, for parents whose kids uh, have a hard time. I can also relate to that too, because, and here's a teaching moment. Sometimes when you have a kid that's on the other side of the spectrum intellectually, that's just as special needs, but it's on the other side. Yeah. It's just as freaking challenging. So for parents whose kids have a hard time with that, I empathize with you. It's hard. You got a hard road. And, and the same way when you have a kid that's skipped grades and stuff like that and how to keep them intellectually engaged, hard heart but to my point um my older one i i always just try to ask him to just do good whatever it is with this with the the things that you've been given and the the the, the his deductive reasoning and his math skills and i mean it's he's 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 gonna go he's he he's going to do things wow but I I will ask just do whatever it is that you do just do good things and it doesn't have to be it doesn't even have to be a big thing just good things so um, that's something that I think now we're trying to figure out how how to empower kids to take the baton and yeah. to take it to the highest part of the hill and be like that's the light that whatever it is and and we you know unfortunately. The way things are, uh, it's going to be a little bit harder for the, for the new crop of kids to be innovative because there's such a reluctance to change in the States. So, for example, um, how is it that we can put people on the moon and we can't figure out a way to properly vote. That's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And then to drill one step deeper and not to be negative, you go, is that shit intentional? Like, that seems pretty wild, <laughs> you know? And, and, then, and then you go, you know, all right. And, and so uh, 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 there's only so many times that you can do the hanging chad golly gee folks we got it wrong this time you go after a while you're like please give me a freaking break then you look at that it's not that there aren't creative minds that want to design that system it's that there's a system in place to keep those creative minds down yeah i mean that's the whole thing that's happening you know with the, the movement right now, Black Lives Matter, right? Like everyone, uh, you know, the arguments that I have, and I, I train officers here, and it's not about just bad cops and then there are good cops. It's about the system in place mm -hmm. that stops the good cops from being able to have an impact on the bad cops and, and keeps the bad officers in 
you know, not going to jail. Like the thing we all have to realize right now, because again, there's been so much stuff uh, here and on the news making it about the looters and, and the damage versus the huge percentage that are literally peacefully protest, sure. uh, protesting. And, you know, the police are, you know, a lot of them are still doing effed up stuff. And this idea of defund is a thing. And again, not to make the super pit, but defund, I don't mean like, I don't, I don't think it's about restructuring. Because there is, totally. we don't want to realize that this is a structural thing. I mean, punk rock music, hip hop music, like Ice-T put out the last Body Count album last year or the year before, maybe 2018. And he's like, I've been singing about this for 30 years. Sure. Right? And I think it's time, hopefully, and it seems like it's starting, that that's going to be a thing. And I, I think that's right. Like, our kids are going to have this opportunity, you know, I don't want to say, like, choose a side, but, like, choose a moral and an ethic with a freer way of thinking about it. And I think that's also like, when you talk about punk rock dads, I think that's what, that's what we bring right. to the table totally. to allow them to have that. Like, I don't want my kids to be me. I want them to be a greater version of me, which is sure. not so hard to do, um, right. but to have an impact in their way. And right. I'm excited for that, but it is sort of like hard to see, like we don't see the younger generation on the, on the negative side of that. Um, but it's a really interesting time, uh, which just in the interest of time, this actually brings <laughs> us really well to your, <laughs> and I, I mean it because like there's a song. So um, there's a song, what is, we are the change. Sure. Make sure I do it. I mean, one of the things that caught me, so listeners, so uh, pre-ordered the album through Rev HQ. And as Doug and I were going back and forth on email yesterday, like mm -hmm. literally after I just got off the email, it was like Rev HQ, here's your downloads. Right. And um uh, the the new album the band is field day we'll talk about it in a moment right. sure. but one of the things that caught me is that song is so relevant dude, I, I, dude. and i was just like you couldn't have written it and produced it <laughs> like i know this was happening prior to this yeah. but it yeah. literally couldn't be more relevant yeah and then it did spark this this thing about me and when we talk about creativity and passion and and and, and positivity of like you know being now you know, middle age mm -hmm. and still having that fire and that creative spark totally. and still that hope to yeah. make a change. Um, it really was like nailed it in terms of the timing. And I know that wasn't a marketing, like the pre-order happened no. well before any of this. No. So anyway, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Just real quick heads up for the listeners. So after Descendants, Doug joined one of my favorite bands of all time. One of the most, not just like, cause I like to listen to one of the most impactful bands on my personality um would be dag nasty if anybody listened to dc hardcore talk about going from like one scene as you drink coffee from your descendants mug i saw that i'm not gonna yeah. lie there was, and, and, oh, and just so you know that's a doug mug <laughs> and it's the milo <laughs> with the mask mug that's awesome um talk about going from one scene hermosa beach scene which is like again like the two scenes that three scenes would be that to me those specific bands black flag and and circle jerks and descendants for me as a kid and then there was the new york hardcore scene and then there was the DC hardcore scene. So Minor Threat, the guitarist Brian Baker, leaves Minor Threat, ends up starting Dag Nasty. Um, Doug, come, Doug you, did you play with Dave at all on that album or was the second, second one? So it was, second. Uh, plays on Wig Out at Denko's, which mm -hmm. is just, I don't know, one of the most quintessential albums of my life. Both of those I'd say was Can I Say uh, in that. And then also mm -hmm. on the Field Day record, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, I heard you talking on the other podcast that that got mixed, mixed reviews when it came in. But for me, that kind of hit home as well. But um, this amazing album comes out 
And then years later now, like Dagnassi's sort of gone through every now and then they would throw out an album. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I was just throw out, that sounds dismissive, but like four on the floor, mm -hmm. minority of one. And then we find, it's funny in my Facebook memories, um, we just saw him like two years ago at Punk Rock Bowling for the first time, maybe three years ago um, with right. Sean singing. Right. And then we saw them again at a club. I can't even remember what club it was, maybe Irving Plaza. I don't remember where we saw them in the city a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And then I got to see Dave play. Dave did like a show where he played a bunch of Dag Nasty stuff and all stuff mm -hmm. and Down by Law stuff. And then finally, right. Field Day comes out. Right. Playing the, the Wig Out album and the uh, Field Day album. So how did this come about and what sparked? Because it's almost like that's like a political song where I would not think of Dag Nasty as a political right. band. Right. But I think also that might be like what comes with age is like, you know, like, I think some of us have our internal compasses mm -hmm. a little bit more set mm -hmm. um, that we can start looking a little bigger. I don't even know if that was part of the process, but um, how did field day come about? Like, why was the time now? Right. Okay. So I'll, 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 I think I can connect all the dots. So I was in descendants. And when I was in descendants, I got to see this band called Dagnasty. Dagnasty and I became friends as I pivoted out of the descendants, I joined Dag Nasty, and that's when we recorded Wig Out at Dankos. So you were talking a couple decades back. Um, the band went on for a little bit, kind of stopped, went on hiatus. Peter, who sang on Wig Out at Dankos and Field Day, really didn't continue doing music as much, kind of went more uh, down an academic road. I continued playing music. Mm -hmm. um, a, a, a bunch of decades later, uh, the conversation had been, people were asking me about whether or not the wig out material could ever pl be played live. And so uh, there's a certain tone that happens when Peter and I sing together that uh, uh, can't be reproduced with one or the other. Not, you know, I'm not saying that he could do it all on his own and I could do it all on his own, but it doesn't sound the same as when we do it together. So uh, we decided that we were going to reboot this, do an offshoot of Dag Nasty called Field Day. Um, so in answer to your question, it's not Dag Nasty. Yes, we were both in Dag Nasty. Yes, we, both, we, we can go pretty deep into the Dag Nasty catalog. Uh, no problem, but it is a new project yeah, and sure. with that new project comes new opportunities and and songs and even you're even older so you have more ideas and more lenses and more tools in the toolbox that you can pull from right so peter and i agreed that we were going to do and i'm going to connect the dots because i think i caught all all of what you said so peter and i agreed that we were going to do this new project called Field Day that was going to give the nod to Dag Nasty, but it was going to be a new project. Um, we had agreed at the beginning that we were going to do about one year of shows. In fact, we are only, Field Day is only 11 months old. We're not even a year old. And we have covered so much territory, it's mind-boggling. But the idea was that we were going to do about... Um, a year, nine months to a year's worth of shows. And then we were going to start doing new music. So the idea was we were always going to be doing new music. I'm a creative guy. Peter's a creative guy. I write songs. He writes songs. So that was kind of always in the cards. Um, and 
as we got toward the tail end of December, it was time for us to start, okay, we've done about nine months. Da, 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 da. We've got to start thinking about new music. Um, I had a conversation with my son, Luca, about the, about changing. And that's really the, the, the spark of we are the change. And what that really is, the, the, the idea is that if you don't, it's really like a self-improvement song in a way where it's really like, that's what it's about. You have, who's going to change you. You're the one that's going to do it because if you don't, there is a system in place that ain't going to do it for you. And you have to fight for that. So the change is whether you're, you know, whether you, it, it, it's kind of like a freedom of spirit in a way where it's changing your ideas and your your thought process that you're the one that's going to be able to do that. So that's really what it is, is it's a song, me sitting at my kitchen table, having a conversation with my son and he's, he's looking to me for advice. And I'm saying, we are the ones, we're the ones that are going to make the difference. Now that we doesn't mean that you're 15 years old, 30 years old, 60 years old. It means this ideology the people that really do believe in positive thinking we're the ones that are going to make the biggest impact it's our turn to say you know what we're pumping the brakes on that and we're going to change shit right now that's what that is now it just so happens that uh uh i record i wrote the song in december uh we wrote the song in december recorded it in january now the world is catching up with the song maybe or does art reflect life does life reflect art that starts to open that question yeah. i am a huge believer of positive change and that's what that's about it's, there it is uh, uh folks if uh it's field day the album's 2.0 the songs are uh we are the chains and searching for the answers i want to make sure i get them right because it just mm -hmm. came in my mail yesterday mm -hmm. uh they're awesome. And I wanted to say that one of the things I really appreciated about you putting this out, because we saw you, Kim and I saw you at Crossroads mm -hmm. and it's sick show. And again, it's one mm -hmm. of those things where I'm just, uh, you start to see a lot of bands that either reunite or form mm -hmm. under another. And, you know, there's varying levels of what you mm -hmm. might expect from that. Right. Some Lord, Lord folks, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? You could see that there's a check cashing in or you could see where they still have that fire. And for me, it's like a lot about like, uh, they still have the fire, the drive, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm also, I get judgmental and I'm aware of this, so it's not a good trait, but I'll be like, when, mm -hmm. when a band had fire and then the new album comes out and it's kind of mellow, like I'm allowed, I'm, I'm cool with like people having creative freedom. Like I don't want to mm -hmm. put them in a hole, but I'm also mm -hmm. like, where's that thing, right? Where's that thing that like drew me in the beginning? Mm -hmm. That's my own filter though, mm -hmm. of judgment. So, but you guys came out and nailed it. And it was a, it was a sold out show, but it mm -hmm. was a small spot. And mm -hmm. I was like right up front on the left, mm -hmm. getting really pissy with the guy shooting cameras, putting his camera in front of my face. Not your yeah. photographer guy, but yeah. yeah. Um, and it was amazing. And again, like we're just one of those bands that we're to come out and mm -hmm. see whenever they're in town. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're in town, I'm seeing there now that I know you, Doug, yeah. you're in town. <laughs> I'm in town. And um, 
I love that fact that you're taking this opportunity to not just play. I mean, because let's face it, the fans of Field Day and Dag Nasty would hear those songs a thousand mm -hmm. times. We would watch you guys play those a sure. thousand times. Sure. Um, it's one of those shows. Everyone knows every lyric. Everyone's yep. screaming at the top. Of their, like, the energy's amazing. And, and mm -hmm. the whole band is a powerhouse. I don't want to like put down the other band. But Doug, you on that bass, you have, there's a gift there. Like, Th thank you. Somebody in a higher power was like, here is this instrument. However you found it, go soar, my friend. Yeah. Um, and then I get these songs and I'm always a little nervous. Like, what am I, what's going to be like? Come on, you, you teased be. a couple of, whoever's doing your social media, part of me is going to think it's you. Um, yeah. It's me. Great. It's me. We're punk band. We're punk Great band. job. And I <laughs> love that too. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew like you, you started teasing bits of it. Mm -hmm. but it's awesome and yeah. it is new it's not mm -hmm. just like you took you know either the we got album or the field day album and just made like three new songs for that it's new and it's right. powerful and it still has that energy there's there's tones in peter's voice that i'm like you know i want to reflect on like safe or exercises mm -hmm. but it's even more aggressive part of what comes out and i love that totally um, right. So, congrats so, on that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You know, the the thing is going back to the going back to the field day, like the going back to the field day thing. We know Peter and I know how important the songs are to people. Like we know that they they like we don't own them anymore. Like the people the the people that come to the shows own them. Okay, so we know it. Uh, our motto. I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but our motto is be humble and don't suck. So we are super freaking humble. And then on the other side of that, um, it is, it is a, uh, it is a hard focus on executing the songs above people's expectations so they expect it to be here and you deliver it here so part of that like anything um it's it's uh it's you know you're gonna get back what you put into it and peter and i put a lot into it because we realize one selfishly speaking we freaking love those songs the two the fans love the songs so we want to deliver for them as well because it's kind of there's nothing worse than seeing a band that kind of phones it in we don't do that at all in fact in fact um uh in the as i have said before we're only 11 months deep into this like we're like a we're like a a a, a new band but it's like from some of the from an old timeline <laughs> so it's it's hard to describe. It's kind of like a, a Bill and Ted in a little way. Like you kind of like so... you hop you hop in the phone booth and then yes. you're crushing it though. But you have all the history. It wasn't like you're just. Totally. What I like about it, it's not like you're just like either trying to replicate or stuck mm -hmm. in mid mm -hmm. mid eighties. Because what Dag Nasty, it was a relatively. This is one of those weird things too. When you're in a punk record, then there was like no internet to be like when were these albums coming out how many right. albums come out what did this mean you know like right. so it was what three three years basically mm -hmm. was the whole window of the band maybe mm -hmm. four pretty quick it's pretty quick so the so the thing is also is um uh, uh uh trying to put good music out into into the universe that is new and fresh and vital and relevant um 
I, I love two minute pop songs and I love aggressive music and I love every different genre of music. But in this particular case, how are we going to start in introducing music to um, people uh, and, and what's, you know, you, you I, I only write what's like what I think is kind of cool. Like what would I want to hear? You know, it's it to a degree. To a degree, it's kind of kind of a selfish, kind of selfish. Uh, but I write what I would want to hear. Um, Peter sings the way he sings, and we we try to, you know, we we try to work together. We have the ability now with the way internet is and stuff like that, where we actually like, even though I live in Los Angeles and he lives in Philly, we actually are doing. We we actually work like you know like we rehearse and do things so it's really a, a amazing but thank you the 2.0 thing again the field day 2.0 it is it is a it's a we're not rehashing the past we're moving forward we are moving yeah. forward uh uh and and that's um that's you know like i said you know there, there's there's people you know people that want to it's it's funny because this it, i i was talking about this um uh, this morning where how much new material do you introduce at a show you know do you do it black flag style where it's like here's the new record woo, and you just yeah. fuck it and you just play the new record top to bottom or do you know in some way i kind of realize like people really want to hear godfather they want to hear safe like i kind of gotta <laughs> kind of do that so it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a um it's a little bit of a, a of a of a mystery, and at the same time, you know, you're you're following your instincts and trying to do again, leaning toward the positive and always trying to do the right thing. Um, uh, so I don't. I, it 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 is it is a bit of an unknown. That part's a bit of an unknown. But we're incredibly grateful and gracious. Uh, uh, and that's our approach to it. So, so it's kind of like we love, you know, we were talking before, but before we started the, before we started about separation, how in punk rock, there's not really too much of separation between the people, yeah. you know, it's like, Oh, you go, Oh, uh, I would something that, uh, something that's come up over the past year. And, and again, for some people that don't know, um, when Peter, when we do shows, when field day does shows, uh, usually things kind of start to ramp up and the closer we get to the show, the more my phone starts ringing, uh, the more emails I get and the more texts I get. And everybody either wants to get a photo or they want me to sign something. They want Peter to sign something, all that stuff, which is totally normal and great. We love it. It's not a problem. What Peter and I started doing, what the band started doing is after a show, we actually build in a informal meet and greet. That blows people out of the world they they cannot believe that that i just as 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 sure as, as sure as sunshine i'll just say to them okay cool we're done with the show we're gonna go get some water we're gonna get some dry clothes we're gonna hang out for about an hour and then everybody gets their chance if they want to come say hi or whatever come say hi they want to take a photo come taste what you want me to sign something and it's like so we've really you know we really try to break down that barrier of disconnect like we haven't it's not like the show's over and we're gonna you know be whooshed away you yeah. know you know it's like we try to we try to make the experience of that particular time that show be unique 
and and we try to follow whatever the you know the, in 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 uh, music sometimes it's they they have that thing and you know this too where it's like you play to the room and it's like sometimes you don't really know where the room what the room wants and you kind of got to go with if you're if you're open to the process and your antennas are up you know you just kind of go with it and maybe yeah. they want to hear more of this kind of music than that or from this record and so a lot of it is it's just being um uh, just being super open to the process wherever it goes and so we're it's really like we we get a lot more we actually get a lot from it too playing the shows because we, we love we love punk rock music peter and i love fun, you know we love music totally shows and it was yeah it's, it's like you know it's like when i teach a course it, it's you know i'll travel somewhere i land and you know i'm usually the one setting up everything too mm -hmm. again it's not like a lot of gear or anything but like manuals right. waivers whatever yep, yep and people start coming in yep. and i i've traveled enough like i might know like one or two people of like the 20 or whatever but like i don't know what it's going to be like i don't know yep. how they're going to take to this but you have to read and adapt but one of the things that i got from your show at crossroads and one of the things that i tried to set is this like joint gratitude i think a lot of times totally. it's like this this like you're lucky to see us versus i'm really lucky you're here because <laughs> like right like this is a, this has to be this community vibe right but like it's this shared gratitude and i would say this like uh as, as you know a dag nasty fan and, and a field day fan uh especially now that there's there's new material and i I'm stoked to see more. Like I'll be ramped, uh, amped up on those two when I get to see you play those tracks and hear new ones. But I think like Dag Nasty is like one of those weird bands, and this is going to carry into your, you know, the Field Day fans is. Um, I know for me, I mentioned third tattoo ever. We got logo right, right. And every now and then, you'd run into somebody with a we got logo, and it mm -hmm. was not a common thing. Like Dag Nasty was one totally. of those weird bands where like their fans are so loyal. Mm -hmm. But there weren't like a ton of them. Like in my head, like as much, I love Fugazi, but I would have really been like, for me, Dag Nasty is just as vital those 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 few albums. And uh, so it was like this like secret code for a while. What's weird is people sure. to forget is like Red Hot Chili Pepper logos used to be like that back back mm -hmm. back 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 in the day mm -hmm. pre Nirvana. Um, where you'd be like, hey, and you know now we're like again, it's this growth period where we're older. We can respect that we have that common bond, but like I think we could probably start wrapping this up on is. Where do you find or what advice would you have for somebody? And it could be at any age, 30s, 20s, whatever, where they're feeling stuck in their situation. Because I think a lot of like if we would, I think a lot of what we're talking about, about being changed and looking inside and making these steps. Totally. You know, and, and that former American ideal of what we're supposed to grow into and how we're supposed to live our lives. It's like, you know, people get stuck. And I know mm -hmm. for me, my previous career was in visual effects. I was an executive mm -hmm. producer and a senior producer in the land of like post-production, mm -hmm. you know, for commercials and stuff. Mm -hmm. and I just started hating it, but I was sure. making a lot of money and, mm -hmm. you know, I had to go through this awkward phase of like making no money, changing, you know, yep. giving up a high paying job to make, you know, fry guy dollars. Um, you know, my first marriage ended, but mm -hmm. all of these things were towards a bigger, I don't know. I'm able to help more people with what I do now. Sure. I'm happier with what I do now. Sure. Remarried. And it's not sure. that like one's a better than or, or, but it's like, I knew I needed to change. But I think a lot of people, especially when you hit 30, 40s, when you start checking those boxes off, like married, check, house, check, career, check. Um, what advice do you have to people to like, kind of do that self-work of like introspectively making the change in yourself? Because 
people will just basically ride their rest of right. their lives out on that unhappy scale. Right. Well, um, whoo, that's, it's a that's, deep a, one. that's a question. It's, it's a deep one. And, and, and I, I could probably talk for four or five hours about that one. Um, we'll do an uh, audio book, the Fury right. and Doug audio book, the oh Doug my. and Fury audio book. Oh my great. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, um, I'm going to apply it to me because I can't tell anybody what to do. I can't tell. They're going to do, I can make a suggestion or whatever, but I'll apply it to me. Yeah, advice. I, I, I am forever doing inventory. Forever. Forever. I'm constantly recalibrating. That's because of my connection to the ocean. It's constantly changing. I'm constantly changing. I'm looking down the line. I'm wondering how this is going to go. I'm going to learn to adapt and pivot constantly. In life, because there is a finite amount of hours, I don't make the rules. You don't make the rules. You better be doing what you really love. And there's the saying of it's better to fail at what you love than... <laughs> Then whatever the other part is, then to just be like stuck grinding it out. The Italians have a wonderful saying. This is going to apply to you right here. It goes like this. You wanted the bicycle, now pedal. And what that means, and that can be applied to anything. And that means if you want it, you know, one, be careful for what you wish for. And once you get on that bike, you better lean in. And so life is like that, whether it's parenting, whether it's career, whether it's relationship, it's like, if that's what you want, and you, this is where, this is, I'm putting my feet on the ground, this is what I want. You have to lean in on that, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. You're going to fall off the bike, and it's going to suck, you know? That's the thing that, like, skateboarding is like that. It's like, in order to get good at skateboarding, you have to slam. You do hit the deck. You do go, ow, that hurt. But through that process, you learn how to evolve, and you take inventory. And that's what I would suggest to people is to – you know, not obsess over it, but to take inventory and realize the things that are working, keep doing those. The things that aren't working, start to, you know, draw a circle around that, wonder, well, why isn't it working? Is it, you know, there's a, there's a few ways to analyze a problem, right? There's like, there's my issues, there's your issues, and then there's, there's our common issues, right? And so, you have to identify and break shit down and say like, this is something that I can't control. It's beyond me, or this is something that I can control. And you pivot, you adapt, you reshape, and it doesn't really matter. Now, is that easy? Of course not. No, no. Of no, course no, no, no. not. It's, but that's what change is. And the thing is, is that Sometimes change can be incremental. Sometimes change can be in giant leaps. Sometimes change presents itself like this thing with George Floyd, where all of a sudden we're up against this thing and we have to make some serious, serious, uh, uh, we have to analyze where we are. Sorry, my dog Ruby is barking in the That's background. Fine. Can you hear her? I heard a little bit, but it's fine. I mean, I'm like, I'm outside of Brooklyn street. I don't know if yeah. you've heard all the trucks. No, I can't stuff, hear anything. And it's pouring rain out right now. Right. Um, oh no, I can't. But so, so I would say like for that, um, you know, like I said, the, that people really have to just do inventory, realize that, that they do have the, you know, 
you are adaptable. You can learn new things. It's okay to be afraid and to learn new things. That's okay. I'm, I'm in go, going back to the, the coin collection. I don't know anything about coins, but I have a love for people that have a love for something that they're pointing to, they're passionate about. That might change over your life. That's okay. Originally, you liked when I was a kid, I drank think and now I drink or I used to you know whatever it is if you're uh Bruce Lee be the water not the rock the more you're the rock that ain't cool yeah I had to learn that I learned that the hard way for sure (laughs) that ain't gonna that ain't gonna dude that ain't gonna work the more you're the more malleable and adaptable you are now things might not go your way every time, but at least you're learning how to duck and dodge and dip and pivot and get out of the way, how to do inventory and say, this is working, this isn't working. Um, and I think that that's like, that's what's, and, and, and for the most part, it doesn't really matter like what your age is when you're, uh, 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 again, another Italian saying, having all the money in the world doesn't matter if all you're doing is taking that money to go pay the doctor. So it's like somewhere in there, in this fast paced, hyperactive internet, me, me, fast, fast, fast world, you have to realize that you're only going to have a certain amount of time. You should try to be as present and focused on what the good things are that are happening in that day, whatever it is. And hopefully then it becomes a week and then a month and so forth. Because if you don't make change, it's not going to change for you. You have to change. You have to adapt. You know, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. I I mean, look, you know, the, the shutdown, you know, even before this, like it's crazy that we have these stacked massive things happening, but you know, so many industries, so many businesses and fitness in particular, you know, uh, how to adapt quick, how to sort of see it and redefine. And, you know, we're not open yet, so I'm redefining. So it's like, here's what I wanted to do. And now here's what I, how, not only how I can, I change what I'm now going to have to do, right. Because there's going to be restrictions in place when we open up, just like I'm sure it shows there's going to be some new restrictions coming up, but like, how can I not just have to make these changes that are enforced upon me, but how can I now make these changes in a way that I'm actually going to want to like, keep doing this later. Like, how can I make this rad for us? So it's not just like, again, hitting another rock, but how can I like pivot through flow around this rock into something still cool for me? Cause things are going to be different. I don't right. know how long, I don't know right. how long. The other thing that I think, you know, what I love about it is like, um, we are on a limited time. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of calculated risk, by the way. I'm like, you know, you gotta, oh. I, make, I make big leaps. But especially as you're older, like you have like, if you have that career you don't love, use that financially to help offset as you grow and make your your next change. And the thing that I didn't learn until like the last literally probably five years is, you know, it's in in skating and surfing like you learn from your bales. Mm -hmm. I never applied that in my really in my grown up life and my previous career. Whereas like I, I just always, I would get bummed out about not doing well. And I did well by like the pressure to constantly succeed. Now I know, like, I do have a fear of failing, especially now, like, everything's sort of invested in this gym, um, all thousand square feet of it. But I've learned so much from everything I've done wrong. 
You know what I mean? And now how do I reverse engineer and apply even just in some of the certifications we take? Uh, it's funny. It's like punk rock. And now he's talking about lifting kettlebells and stuff, but like no, you know, we have strength tests. And if you fail a technique test, you have to learn what did you do wrong? Like, how do you break it down? Was it your breathing? Was it an angle? Was it a position? Blah, blah, blah. And I've gotten better through all of that stuff in terms of opening the business and marketing. I've gotten better through all of that stuff. And, um, not just like, going back to skateboarding and surfing and what we're talking about with the band is like using your strengths, but acknowledging your weaknesses and trying to not maintain them as weaknesses. Right. I think that's what, and that could be in terms of like, you know, how are you feeling? That could be in terms of like your day-to-day -day relationships, or that can be your career, but to just sit unhappy in that, you know, when you, you ever read Stephen Pressfield, nope. um, the war of art, <gasps> the war of art, the war of art. Yeah, you can text I'm me. I'm just going to send you the info. Yeah. You're going to get a, a present from me. Um, Stephen Pressfield is a Hollywood writer who's gone on to make these amazing books called The War of Art, Turning Pro. Mm -hmm. um, I'm forgetting the name of the other one right now. Uh, but he talks about like, you know, uh, the fear, the greater you fear something you feel the need to do, the more it means you're supposed to do it. But we get caught in our own things because like staying the safe route uh, and he doesn't mean like, you know, jumping off of, you know, cliffs or anything, but staying in the right. safe route, we're, we're actually denying the greater community, the greater world, the gift that we might be able to provide. Now, sure. that sounds super grand, but you know, like, look, I'm an example of from your music, somebody that was greatly impacted, right? Mm -hmm. From here at the Speakeasy of Strength, the people that train with me, I'm having a long lasting positive effect on those people or the Huge. trainers that I've certified. There's like people around the world now that like, I've had a small, small thing. And if I didn't make that leap, I'd be making more money, but I'd be miserable. And whatever benefit I shared with anybody or whatever person, if you didn't hop in the van with the descendants back in the day, right. the benefit that you bring, it sort of outshines potential income or anything. Like it's just a greater good kind of moment. And now more than ever, I feel like a greater good kind of thing is so important. It, it, it you know, um, what do you want to be remembered for? A pile of money? How many people you affected? Hopefully how many people you affected positively. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I'm a giant believer of if you can affect just one, you're off to the races. Because that person then may affect another person. And that yeah. person can affect another person. So... It's it's so it just kind of rip. It's a full ripple. It's a full ripple effect. But I think that you know, there's. It, it, it's interesting too. Going back to, um, you know, when you when you apply being a parent there too. Being a parent, you have to play this. You have to be the de making decisions, trying to make the right decisions for surviving and at the same, you know, for providing and all that. And at the same time you're adapting personally and you might be adapting career-wise and you might be adapting and changing too. Uh, but I think that it certainly helps you focus on time. Being a parent helps you focus on time where you go, all that is cool, but is that like, let's break it down. Is that something that's going to happen in three weeks, three days, three hours? Like, you know, because any way you slice it, 
kids are going to want to eat dinner. So it's like, you better figure some stuff out. And sometimes you have to be, have the ability to be, be a bit of a chameleon where on one hand you're wearing like the dad hat and, and you're on that in, in that lane, right? You're mm -hmm. on that road. And then on the other hand, you have to leave a little bit of time for personal reflection and say, am I moving in the right direction? And, and it's okay to change. But if you aren't, um, uh, uh, if you're not looking at what's, it's okay. It's kind of like when somebody, it's kind of like when somebody, I don't know, we'll apply it to kids, for example. Um, your, your son, your daughter, whatever, takes a spelling test. There's 10 words on the test. They get eight of them right two of them wrong. They're stoked about the 80%, as am I. The question is, do you focus on the two that you missed? And do you accept the 80% and go, ah, I got an 80, woohoo, we're good. Or do you say, okay, these are the things that I got right, which is badass. What if I can turn that 20% into the next time I take the test now I only get one wrong. And I think that it's okay to accept. Um, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the 90. And there's nothing wrong with identifying the 20% as long as you're using it as a learning tool, not to thrash yeah, yourself, you know. So there's a little bit of a thing there. There's, there's a, a balancing act between uh, acknowledging your success and, and learning from the miss versus just focusing on the miss. Cause I think Ugh. that's also like, Huge. that is something that I still like, I'm aware of when I'm falling into that. Like I'm, you know, I, again, even with the business, like our numbers are down obviously because of the, you know, we're right. doing everything online, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, like we're losing. And then I'm like, Oh, but we're still better than I thought we would be when we opened at this point. So right. I got to focus on that now. Not, but again, it's not being dismissive of like the, the next steps, but all of that stuff's happening. Right. I mean, everybody wants to hit it out of, you know, everybody, and again, you can apply it to anything. Everybody wants to hit the ball out of the park every time and they want to do hundies every time. I get it. That's great. Um, but sometimes there's a ramp up. Sometimes there's a factor that's changing that and you have to identify the problem and adapt. And the yeah. sooner that you can do that, the, the better, the more that you anchor yourself ball and chain style to the negative, you're going to go further and further and further downstream, which is where you want to be. You want to be moving forward. And that's why even in the, even in the suckiest situations, the glass half full guy for me has always been the glass half full. Like, yeah, there's times you take a, you take your lumps, but you learn how to take the positive out of that. Um, and that, I think that that's, I think it's just, it's just something that, you know, going back to personal reflection, you know, to personal growth, I think it's important just for people to just, uh, uh, to try to stay focused on the positive, identify the negative and see if there's a way that they can tweak it into a, into some kind of, that's a, it's like a parenting thing. It's like some kind of, there's gotta be some way that I can take some good out of this negative tragedy or circumstance.
it's, it's That's very, the key. very much like, you know, stoicism. It's like, you know, um, uh, there's a book by Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is a Way. It's like, what can I learn from this and how can I grow from it? Because it's going to happen. It's, a, it's accepting it's happened, right? Like most of the time in these situations, it's happened. I have to totally. deal with it. And what can I bring through it? Uh, not just to survive this moment, but to be prepared for the next time something like this might happen. Right. So it's an awesome growth moment. And, uh, right. Man. Yeah, you, you know, that's the last thing. It's like, you know, like in Buddhism where they're talking about accepting the things that weren't meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it is. It's not when you're winning. It's when it, it's like, how good of a leader are you when all hell's breaking loose? That's the key. Yes. How good of a human being are you when all hell, you know, in the hardest, most difficult times? How good are you at being able to forgive people? How good are you being a good at you, are you at being able to accept when things weren't meant to be? And you go, I gotta let that one go. I gotta let that one go. And that I think as we as we get older, you get more um, man, there's nothing like wisdom. If you're paying attention, there's nothing like, you know, I do believe that I do believe that I'm smarter than I was when I was 20. And I don't mean academically. I mean that the way I can turn the lens back on myself and identify things and solve problems faster because I accept my strengths and I accept my weaknesses and I try to play up the strengths, play down the weaknesses, but identify whatever they are and see if there's a way I can change them. Can Absolutely. I get better at that? That's it. That's, I think that, I think that's yeah. it. That's awesome, man. Hey, Doug, we have been talking for a while. That's awesome. Uh, this was super fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, dude, this is great. Uh, before we go, where can people follow you and Field Day? I know the Instagram is at Field Day Sounds. Right. So, so in the Instagram world, it's Field Day Sounds. In the Facebook world, it's Field Day Sounds. Um, you can find, and, and we're as, and I say this truly and honestly and earnestly, we're a user-friendly independent punk rock band. So it's like, you're talking about social media and stuff like, it's like, yeah, I'm usually the knucklehead doing it. We produce the records. It's very, it's pretty in-house, um, but that's where you can find us. If you're, if, if you just want to listen to stuff, you just want to like, eh, man, check it out. You can find us out there on the YouTubes and you can find us out there in the Spotify's and the Pandora's and the Apple music's and da, 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 da. Um, if you're a vinyl kind of person, you'd probably want to look in the United States toward Rev HQ revelation, uh, distributes music. If you're a person in Europe, you probably want to look toward cortex. Yeah. Um, but if you just want to check it out or say hi, like Instagram or, 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 or uh, Instagram or Facebook or any one of those platforms and you Google it, you go, Oh, Whoa, that there's that guy. And just go, you go, uh, you know, whatever you, you just go, there's that guy. And, and I'll, then, put all, I'll put all these links by the yeah. way in, in, in the web, in the page as well. And then on, on the, um, on the, Oh, I guess two more things. Three, well, I'm going to go three things. So, uh, uh, did have to cancel for all the people that were doing makeup shows we're trying to do it we'll get to you as quickly as we can believe me there's no place peter and i would rather be than up on the stage hanging out with people and doing shows we really do want to get back to it but we also want to be respectful we don't want to be 
we want to be respectful of what the governments are doing and everything. And it's complicated. So there's that. Uh, uh, if you're fee- if you if you're running into a problem getting a refund on a ticket or something like that, let me know. Maybe I have a backdoor channel to figure out how to get refunded or reimbursed. I know that's another complicated one. Um, on the the uh, we're probably gonna we're gonna start doing shows as soon as we get the green light to do shows. We have a couple things on on pause. I know we were talking about the H two O show. Yeah. Um, we're trying to get back to do that, but I have a funny feeling I, I'm not making the decision on that show. Cuomo <laughs> uh, and H two O, who are the the headliner, are really making the show. But I don't see how that's going to happen. But we'll have to see. Uh, we are trying to do it. But if you follow us on, you know, out in the in the interwebs or whatever, you'll find all that stuff. And then, lastly, believe it or not, P, we're going back in the studio next week. So as quickly as as quickly as we're doing this. Um, we're back in the studio um, next week on uh, 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 Tuesday and Wednesday where we're tracking drums and tracking guitars. Um, and, and so if the stars line up, there may be another field day, batch of field day songs in November. If, if, but I don't hold me to it, but you know, you could imagine that I'm a pretty hyper-focused kind of guy. And so <laughs> I lean in on stuff. So, you know, don't hold me to it. There's some things that, you know, I know on our end, um, songs are written. Uh, we're right, but, you know, I, I produce the stuff. We're, so we're going, we're coming in hot, like coming right in hot. Some factors that I can't control, but except, you know, we'll see um, Cameron, who, Cameron Webb, who mixed, Motorhead and Pennywise and Ignite, da, 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 like gnarly mixer. We have a great relationship with Cameron. He's going to mix the next batch. Awesome. Uh, chances are very good that it'll come out on uh, Unity Worldwide. Um, we've been discussing, <laughs> we've been discussing doing like a five songs, twelve inch five songs on one side, and then some kind of like. A, probably like a peter design some kind of graphic on the other side like etched right. in the vinyl so that's kind of what's going on like even though we've got new music that just came out like yeah there's new music coming even more so we're we're gonna we're just gonna continue rolling awesome. and um come definitely come out to, to a show there's that and never ever ever be shy like we are the most user-friendly camp in the world so come hang out come say hello come take a photo or whatever. Like don't ever, the awkward thing, like don't, you know, everybody can kind of has different degrees of being awkward, but with our camp, don't feel awkward. Like if you want to come and hang out, come do a show. And usually there's about an hour after the show where like you go, Oh my God, that's that guy. And say hello and whatever. That's (laughs) awesome. Whatever. There's, there's that. It's a great show. It's a great environment folks. And and again, this isn't, this isn't a sales thing. Big. It's, you're never going to have like a sales call on, on, on this podcast. It's like, this, these are folks in a band that I'm just super passionate about and I'm stoked on the new songs. And, and when Doug and I reached out, like it wasn't even about necessarily the timing of these new songs coming out. It's just how the, the call yeah. lined up. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. Um, I'm going to say that we're friends now, Doug. Yes, of course. (laughs) I'm always comfortable with that. It's like a a pyramid, you know? I mean, there's like, we have these certain things in common. There's you, there's me, and then there's this music. 
And even if you were to remove the music, there's a certain ideology that you and I both have, Absolutely. which puts us more in unison. It puts us more in sync than not in sync. For sure. Um, and that's like, you know, I, th I consider you a friend because we're having a talk and we're talking about life and art and music and history and all that stuff. And that's a beautiful thing. And I want that to continue to expand out there, you know, so it's yeah, good. Is, it's this great. This is one of the coolest things too. Uh, a learning lesson for me, a growth lesson for me through the podcast and through teaching, which is imagine the same way through touring and playing is you, you, if you just have the moment to talk with somebody, Totally. You realize how closely, you know, we are, no matter how, how, how wealthy someone might be, powerful somebody might be, um, how much of a fan you might be. When you, when you sit down and chat, like, it's usually pretty easy to have a conversation. Now, before I let you go, mm. I didn't forget this. The Battle of Brooklyn was a victory mm -hmm. for the British who killed, captured a thousand Americans and proceeded to occupy Brooklyn and Manhattan for seven years. Okay. However, the British failed to capture Washington and his army with which withdrew, with which withdrew across the East River to fight again and eventually win the war. Sorry right. that I flubbed those words, but that is the Battle of Brooklyn. And um, so you're talking about what year is that? That's like the that's like the late 1600s, right? Uh, this would be leading. Oh, it's up. early 1700s. This, this is August 27, 1776. This is like right. really so like the last right, days right. of the until Independence right. Day. Got it. Um, if you are ever, when you come back to New York, if you, I know like travel time is usually crazy, but like if you ever have a time, we'll come. Dude, I'll take you dude. through. There's a memorial in the cemetery. It's a super chill place. Dude. You know that I was born in Brooklyn? I think I heard that. I, I totally I was born spaced in, out about I was born in, Yeah. So well, I, I was born in Forest Hills uh, in Queens. I was born in Queens. The first Sorry, place I moved not out Brooklyn, was Queens, I, I, Queens. I lived in Forest uh, Hills the first time. Yeah. My, my first so, apartment so, out of my house. So there's that. And then also one of the, so any kind of like history, local history, folklore, la, 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 architecture, like usually that's what I pivot to when, and, and when touring, a lot of times we're, it's, we're a moving missile. Like we, we're in a town 12 hours. So it's yeah. like, it's quick. Boom. You land it, you do the show. But whenever, whenever we can, um, I, I really love like, like, uh, history architecture anything like that so and this goes to you but to anybody else like anybody else like if you've got the, you want to capture me and well not capture me let's say <laughs> you want to say hey doug <laughs> let this is really cool you should come and see this like try to coordinate because i always love i always love whatever what's cool about like what's cool about your town you know what I mean? What's, I want to yeah. learn about what's cool about your town. And I, I'm lucky enough to be able to travel around the States where I can see all those things. And I thank you for telling, reminding me about the battle of Brooklyn. Hey, I'm yeah, going to leave go, you hanging on that one. I love this, it. This would I come out it. and you'd be like, he's a hack. He didn't bring it up. Well, uh, hey, Doug, thank you so much for all your thank time you, listeners. Thanks for checking this out. Um, stay tuned for next episodes. There you go. See ya. Thanks. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by The FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.